You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Yes, a YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between 6 feet and 9 feet. Get an isolation with the with the linebacker. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. Here to talk a little Packers on this. Uh, I guess it's a Sunday evening. Is that right, Tim? Is this Sunday? Sure, sure is. Doesn't doesn't feel right without football, right? Yeah, I mean, without football, I don't know what day of the week it is, man. It's just absolutely wild. But uh, we had some news drop today. That was good news. I think we would all agree. We also have uh, Mark Murphy struck again today. You guys know we uh, – we read a uh, uh, an email exchange, I guess you could say, on the Murphy Five um, <laughs> between Mark Murphy and a fan. And uh, I'll tell you, like I was saying to Tim offline, it, it kind of feels like Mark Murphy coming up on 2025. He's that president, right, that's in his last term, and he's just throwing a couple pardons here and there and flipping the bird to people who gave him a rough time, and he's about to just go <laughs> – I'm out. <laughs> I love it, man. I love the attitude. He, it's cool to see him lighten up a little bit. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm definitely. I think I might make a trip up up to twelve sixty five this week here. See if I can. I've literally run into him every time I've been up there since I moved to Green Bay. So I'm gonna see if I can uh, get lucky and uh, catch him uh, cutting through the pro shop. I think that's his little routine. He likes to cut through the pro shop to get to where he's going. So you never know when you're gonna bump into the prez. But um, yeah, man, he's absolute gold with these uh, responses to fans. I love it. Yeah, and I'm one. Maybe I'm in the minority. I don't know, but I'm one that. Also, maybe it's kind of the the business owner background. I've just got a ton of appreciation for for what he's done in his tenure. Um, when it is over, I'm definitely going to write a letter. And I've never wrote a letter to any kind of sports figure. I'm just not that kind of fan. But I'm just going to write a short letter going, "Hey, dude, hell of a job, hell of a job." Because yep. he catches a lot of heat, catches a lot of flack from certain people, and uh, I just feel like he's done 
a great job, man. When you look at Titletown, I remember the first time I went to Lambeau was in 03. And I can only imagine some of our, you know, uh, our, our older listeners who, you know, watched the Packers in the 70s and the 80s and obviously in the 90s as well. But, you know, just the time that I went up there in 03, they had just built the atrium. And everybody was like, man, this is amazing. Anybody I talked to was like, this is so cool that they did this. All the restaurants inside was just, you know, absolutely awesome. And uh, now, you know, we went, I don't know, several times in that range. And then we didn't go for a few years. And then we'd go back. I told, kept telling Mandy, I want to wait till Titletown's ready because I'd seen the plan for it. And, uh, man, when we went up there, I think it was in 2021, we got to experience Titletown for the first time. Just phenomenal, man. Just what a what a great job he's done with it, man, for sure. So yeah. uh, Drew Drew D in the chat said uh, the Pro Bowl was today and we had no football today, LOL. Man, that's just a – So true. And, and I'm cool with the, the little side games and stuff. I don't have a problem with it. It's just I miss the old days, Tim. I remember as a kid, you know, in the 90s, I remember being just as hot for the Pro Bowl as I was Super Bowl. Like, yeah. unless, of course, your favorite team's in it. But I just always remember – you know, because they hit, they played. It was like these. This is the best of the best out there competing on a national stage. Um, man, just it's, it feels like it was a lifetime ago that that the Pro Bowl actually meant something. You know, really. I mean, you could say that about the. You know, I'm not much on hockey, but you know the three the three majors: baseball, basketball, football. I mean, the All Star games across the board are not at all what they used to be. And you know, times change. You know. Things are going to change, but um, yeah, I miss the good old days, man. Um, you know, like you could see your favorite players and you knew they were going to get playing time. You know, you'd see two or three or four quarterbacks, you know, you're going to rotate. I mean, it's a, it's an all-star game. So imagine, you know, filling out a depth chart and it's just studs across the board. And, you know, that was always a treat to see that um, as a fan and, you know, the old tradition of, you know, going down to Hawaii and spending the week and, you know, those those days are over. Uh, we get um, I don't know. What do they play? Tic-tac-toe and dodgeball and, you know, whatever. But it's cool. Hey, I know that I'm sure the young fans like it. And, you know, this that's how this league works. Right. A lot of a lot of the major sports. Right. You want to you want to keep that young market and, you know, grow your game as you go to the future. And, uh, you know, I'm all for it. You know, flag football's taken a big jump probably over the last really four to five years. We've seen, yeah. you know, immense growth in that in that realm. And, you know, they're using this uh, Pro Bowl week as a, as a way to kind of showcase that. And I think that's cool. Um, but, yeah, I miss the uh, I do miss the old format for sure. Yeah, no doubt. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. It seemed like they had at the at the halftime show. There was at least for a few years there. They would have a fan kick a field goal for like a million dollars or something. Right. Which was yeah. really watch that type of stuff. Just a. Just celebrating the end of the season, right? So, yep. Jen Wright says, Titletown District is amazing. Hey, if you guys have been to the Titletown District, uh, put in the chat your favorite spot at Titletown. Um, just, you know, like kind of what you like to do when you go to Titletown. I know for me and Mandy, we we stay at the the Kohler Lodge, Lodge Kohler, whatever it's called. I always get it mixed up and which name comes first. But we always stay there. And obviously we go up in the, one of the coldest months of the year. We try to go December every every time we go up. So we do the tubing hill, which is amazing. And then you can go over into hinterland, right, and warm up by the fire, get you a cold beer, and uh, and sit around and eat a little bit of food, eat some cheese curds. And then we like to go out to the ice skating ring as soon as it gets packed. And our favorite thing, Tim, is get a cup of coffee and sit there 
in that bitter cold and just watch people fall for hours (laughs) that is mandy's that is mandy's pastime is she loves watching people fall down like i mean loves it if i see somebody fall down my personality type is like oh let me look i don't want them to see that i saw it you know what i mean (laughs) right you look away real quick like that mandy will run up on them and be like laugh right in their face bro she's just heartless but that's yeah, it's just how she is. So anyway, uh, two over this says I'm from Minneapolis. And every time I see U.S. Bank Stadium, I make sure to tell it that it's not Lambeau. That stadium does look kind of cool, though, to be honest with you, where it kind of looks like a ship, you know, on the outside. Um, I just hate indoor football, man. I absolutely despise it. I think it ruins the game personally, but that's just me. So anyway, there you go. All right. So let's talk about the news, the big news. It was good news, too, Tim. We talked about it earlier this morning. We were trying to. We were, we were all kind of like, okay, this Sean Minion signing to be, you know, a member of uh, of the staff to help coach the quarterbacks, obviously former Rams, Vikings, the Seahawks quarterback, Sean Minion, ending his nine-year NFL playing career and has accepted a position on the Packers coaching staff. A source tells me this was Brady Henderson. Uh, he'll work with quarterbacks in the passing game, and immediately we were like, oh, no. Oh, no, it's Tom Clements leaving, right? Well, we got pretty much word here. From Spoon, and for those of you who don't know who Spoon is, it's 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 Tom Silverstein, right? Some people say Silverstein, some people say Silverstein. I know his nickname to be Spoon. That's what I always refer to him as. Um, anytime that Spoon talks, <clears throat> it's coming straight from Brian Gutekunst. Understand that. Um, I've learned through the backdoor channels that he is the guy who is most plugged in to the front office now. You notice you never hear Spoon come out with a hot take. You never, you'll never see Spoon do a hit piece on the front office, right? That's why he is well connected there, and he's covered the team for so long. So, anytime Spoon says something that like, okay, this is breaking news, understand that that's coming from the staff. That's coming from the front office, if you will, right? You get others, and I won't name them, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but you get other, you know, Packers insiders. They'll, they'll they'll talk about some of the more controversial things. They're not as plugged in, right, with the front office, but they're constantly around the team. They're constantly hearing what's going on in the locker room, and that's why things are said. You know, like Matt Schneidman was one that came out with the Jair stuff. And I remember when everybody was trying to brush it under the rug, brush it under the rug, he said there was a reason I wrote that story right before the New York Giants. He said, might want to bookmark that. Two weeks later, he was suspended. So, like – He's plugged into the locker room, obviously. Spoon has this, like, direct line, in my opinion, to the front office, to the uh, the coaching staff, the whole nine yards. But anyway, he came out earlier and quote-tweeted Brady Henderson. You know, we talked about earlier, oh, gosh, does, it, does this mean Tom Clements is stepping away? Tom Silverstein goes out and tweets. Spoon tweets, this does not mean quarterbacks coach Tom Clements is retiring. He will be back on Coach LaFleur's uh, staff in 2024. Great learning experience for uh, Mannion to work under LaFleur and Clements. Good for Jordan Love, too. So that was one of the things we said this morning, Tim, was like if if he doesn't retire, man, he gets to learn from the best on how to be a quarterback coach. And him coming just, what, two years removed? Really, I guess one one year removed, technically, from being in the NFL. So he sees the game for what it is right now. Um, I'm pretty sure he was – he was, uh, he was with Sean McVay, if we remember correctly, out in L.A., so he knows this system. He knows this McVay-Shanahan-style offense, all the verbiage, the terminology, everything. 
he's coming right off the playing field, and then he's sitting in the classroom with his mouth shut listening to one of, if not the best quarterbacks coaches of our era here, right, of our time being fans, and that's Tom Clements. That's exciting, right, man? I mean, that's uh, – he. Tom Clements is going to be here for the foreseeable future, and he's molding his predecessor, essentially, to take over and continue doing what he does. Yeah, I mean, hey, that's what we do, right? Draft and develop. <laughs> it's across the board, right? right? You know, we we got a got a young man here stepping into uh, into the role of uh, you know making that transition from player to to coach, and yeah, you don't want that to be abrupt. You'd love to, you know, ease him in there and uh, let him learn uh, what it's like from you know that standpoint and. Yeah, who better than the the quarterback whisperer himself? You know, I mean, Tom Clements is a he's a legend in Green Bay, and um, every season we get is a gift and, and a blessing. So um, you're right for the foreseeable future. That is uh, 2024. We we've got another season with him uh, leading that quarterback room, and um, I think we're going to see great things. And uh, I feel good about the future there as well. You know, I mean that's one. Uh, one area we haven't really had to, to worry about too much over the last, ooh, I don't know, 20, 25, 30 years or so. So, um, you know, it brings me great joy to know that we're, uh, we're in good hands there going, going forward. No, I completely agree, man. I, I think it's a great move. Uh, just another example of them having, you know, that vision looking forward and kind of taking care of stuff before it comes an issue. Right. Um, preventive maintenance, if you will. Um, back to the title town stuff. Drew D says, I like sitting around the fires by the rink and watch people skate. I'm telling you, that's, that's one of the best, man. Just sitting out there. Again, we do it to watch them fall, but it's still a lot of fun. Though. A lot of fun. And he also said, uh, I also love the different art projects, ice sculptures, rotating prisms, etc. The ice sculptures are really amazing, man. I um, noticed those too when we were there. United Bates said, I went in September, so no ice skating, but crushed beers and pizza at Hinterland a few times. Hinterland is a cool little spot, man. They got a bar that's the whole length of the restaurant, basically, fireplace at each end. So if you do go in December when it's chilly, man, it's just perfect setting. It, it, to me, it kind of feels like a ski lodge or something. You know, yep. so it's kind of got that feel. Uh, Dave in the chat said, Do you guys know if all the hotels are sold out for 2025 draft? Dave, when I checked, they kept saying, No information, no information, no information. Um, I also talked to Lambo. Um, I can't remember. Is it Chrissy? I can't remember her name. Maybe Wendy is her name who handles the suites, the luxury boxes at Lambo field. And they said they will not be available for the 2025 draft. Right. So it sounds like what's happened is everything has been put on lockdown. So I don't know if just regular fans like us can get it. They probably having to play it first to go, okay, all the TV crews, all, all those people that are coming in, they're going to have to be taken care of first. That was one of the big knocks about Green Bay getting the draft is do they have the infrastructure in place to, to actually handle it to the point where even Mark Murphy and other people had mentioned, you know, what if you bring in cruise liners and set them up in the bay, in the bay yeah. and use it as hotels? You know, that's I thought that was a really cool idea. There were some that made fun of it. I was just like, man, that, that's kind of cool because I've been on a cruise – you know, this past year I went on my first cruise and it, it is really kind of a cool setup. You know, you got casinos and everything right in the ship. It would just be like this, this, this huge resort on water essentially. And you can still go to the draft. So you'd be um, real close to a uh, Broadway district, you know, a lot of, absolutely. a lot of good restaurants and bars in that area too. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it would be really neat. So to answer your question, Dave, the vibe I get is it's going to be damn near impossible to get any hotels there. Now, Appleton, different story, right? You get yep. out on the outskirts. That's probably your best play there. 
Um, I was looking at some property there. We, we came real close to buying some property about two blocks from Lambeau Field. Um, and we'd have enough time to put a small structure on it, you know, build a couple of, couple of uh, uh, small, you know, like like tiny homes almost type thing. We were trying to plan ahead for that, but it ain't going to fall in place in time. But, yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think hotels are going to be uh, going to be an option for us, to be honest with you. Us being the normal folk. Right. Um, yeah, I know they're so building they're building a couple properties, so I'm sure, they'll you know, there's some new construction. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm assuming they're going to, you know, target date for for the NFL draft in 25. But, um, you know, even that, you know, how many rooms are you really talking? You know, a few hundred here, a few hundred there. Might might make it a little better. Uh, get your get your Airbnb bookings in as Absolutely. soon as you can if that's not already uh, sold out. Uh, and no, you can't stay on my couch. Sorry, guys. <laughs> that's uh, that's all too old for this. Said Airbnb will get the Green Bay residents so no. much money. It's so true. That's what we were going to do with that property too, and we probably still will. To be honest with you, just don't know if we'll get it in time to. Uh, to take advantage of the draft there. But uh, nonetheless, that's, that's definitely a popular thing. Eric Sutherland said, December, 2007, I was overserved and damn near died of hyperthermia at Lambeau, LOL. Greatest day of my life. I love how he said I was overserved. He didn't say I overdrank, right? <laughs> I was, sorry, somebody else's fault, not mine. You got to love it. Uh, Drew D in the chat said, uh, at United Bates, you have to keep an eye out for the movies slash concerts. Yep. They do where you can listen and watch on the hill. That's one of my favorite things, Tim. Scrolling Instagram in the spring. Yep. And, and seeing some of those live shots, right, at the concerts. Uh, one of my favorites was Matt Ramage standing down there, uh, darn near front row, right at a concert, just hammered. <laughs> yep. like, Ramage is in the middle of everything. Did you guys do any of that this past year, though, Tim? Did you yeah, we, we went to one of the concerts uh, up at Titletown. That was cool. We went and saw Flo Rida. That nice. was, uh, you know, pretty dope and packed. And, uh, yeah, man, it's uh, – it's a it's a vibe, as the kids say, right? It's it's a vibe at uh, at Title Town, and really it is. It's uh, you know, Mark Murphy talked about that, you know, when this development was, you know, not even really breaking ground yet, and he said he wanted it to be a year round. Um, you know, there's always something to do there. It really, you know, winter time is is great, you know, with the hill and the the skating and all of that. But man, spring, summer, fall, there's always something going on up there, and uh, just a cool place to hang around. Yeah, that last time we went to, we stayed in the Lodge Kohler and had uh, had a room that was facing Lambeau. So we actually, you just open our our window blinds, and we had that Christmas play that was broadcasting on the, you know, on the. Oh, on you could just see it. Yeah, we watched it every night. We watched whatever they show there, which was really cool. So they actually That's had cool. some highlights playing at one point too. That was cool. But uh, yeah, John Schmidt goes back to the uh, uh, the Sean Minion um, signing there as far as uh, hiring him as. Uh, an extra quarterback coach, I guess you could say, or assistant. He says, this is the equivalent of having an old journeyman backup quarterback without the cap hits. Very good point. Um, I'm sure he's probably talking about Tom Clements more than Sean Minion, but the same kind of idea applies. It goes nothing against the cap, and you've got someone who's just coming fresh off the field, and then like you're saying with Tom Clements having all that experience, it's absolutely huge. It's it's what a backup quarterback's number one role is, is to – make the starting quarterback's job as easy as possible, right? Yeah, you got to be ready to go in if injury happens. But um, really the goal there is to help them identify things on the field. You know, I told you guys about the old NFL films clips of of Tom Brady telling his telling his backup quarterback, say, keep an eye on Ed Reed for me. Keep an eye on this guy for yeah. me. Let me know what he's doing on this specific situation because he's gathering that information and reacting in real time. Maybe he doesn't have as much time to process for future plays. And you've got an extra set of eyes there. When you got someone like Tom Clements with all that experience, it's absolutely huge. And then you got Sean Minion coming right off the field. Kind of cool there. So 
Uh, and who knows, you get in a pinch, maybe you just activate him, throw him out there on the <laughs> like they used to do back in the olden days. Oh, man. Yeah, that custodian, he's he doesn't have a beer gut. Get him out here. Get him a helmet. Get him a leather helmet. Get him on the field. There you go. I still laugh every time I, I hear that story. You ever see the Andy Reid story from his time when he was he was here in Green Bay and he actually took a play idea from a from a custodian at mm-hmm. Lambeau? Yeah, he was – you know, they joked about it. I, I believe it was NFL Films had 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 something with an interview, and he said, "Oh yeah, we actually uh, we ran the play, <laughs> and it worked in the game." He said the guy was, uh, you know, hooting and hollering at his wife about, you know, they they used my play in the game. He said, "That's my play." I thought that was pretty funny. How often do you hear about that, right? Right, right. Coach taking it, taking a suggestion from uh, from the guy sweeping the floors. You know. Yeah, I was. I was going to try to find this. Uh this article here. Um, I don't know if we'll be able to find it right off the bat, but I can tell you kind of the story in a nutshell. So Arnie Herber, he was actually the janitor. And this is true story. He was, he was like a custodian for the Packers and, you know, he had had a football background and they let him try out for the team guys. He ends up going on to be one of the, one of the, I mean, he was the quarterback throwing to Don Hudson, just absolutely wild story. Um, I remember reading about that. I think it was Cliff Crystal that did a piece on it. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, some time ago, I tried to Google it just now, but I didn't see it pop up immediately. I don't want to waste y'all's time trying to search it. But if you guys get a chance, do some research on that. Type in Arnie Herber, custodian or janitor or something like that. Um, just a really, really cool story and, and how things kind of came together back in the day for sure. Uh, AFM in the chat said, hopefully Green Bay doesn't drink the NFL out of beer. I guarantee hey, those Wisconsin people, man, I'm telling you right now, we we love our whiskey down here in Tennessee. All right. We're all about our whiskey, our bourbon and, you know, all that good stuff. When you get to Wisconsin, though, man, those boys, they love to slam some beer, some beer and old fashioned. Right. That's that's yeah. the big thing. It's just yeah, we, like our, we like our whiskey up here, too, you know. Um, but, yeah, definitely uh, the boys will be pounding daddy sodas for sure at the draft. <laughs> I think hey. I, saw, I saw the first couple of semi trucks rolling into town. Now they're they're starting to stock us up. So. I think we'll be good. <laughs> we'll be set for the 2025 NFL draft. Every time I go to Green Bay, it's like a, a family reunion, you know, like w- without the weird uncle, of course, right? Um, it's just like – Oh, Eric Sutherland didn't make it? You yeah, exactly. <laughs> some people were going – some people right now are going, I, I don't have a weird uncle. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> Every family's got a weird uncle, and if you don't have one, it's probably you. Just saying. You call me you want, but don't call me exactly. All right, let's get into this. Mark Murphy strikes again here. I'm gonna kill my cam because I got to get kind of close here. I try to grab the best screen grab that I could, but Dan Dermot, I think is how you say Dermot, maybe Dermot, probably Dermot, tweeted this at, out uh, earlier today. It says, "My cousin Bill applied for the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator opening. He received a handwritten letter back from President and CEO Mark Murphy." Think about that, guys. He could have just ignored it and thrown it in the trash, but Mark Murphy took the time to write this guy back, right? Just absolutely awesome. Here's what he said back, though. Bill, thanks so much for your cover letter and resume regarding our defensive coordinator position. While your fantasy football experiences is impressive, I regret to inform you we've decided to go in a different direction. I hear the Bears have an opening. You look to be a perfect fit for them. Thanks again. Sincerely, Mark. And the guy said, absolutely incredible. And you can see the handwritten letter and everything. True story. I, I'm telling you, man, Mark Murphy, he's the man. Um, <laughs> the fact that he burned the other one, if you guys didn't watch the morning show, let me just kind of recap real quick. I think I've still got it here. Maybe I I'm, I'm actually might have deleted it. Mark Murphy. Yeah, I think I deleted it. Now, there it is. Mark Murphy cooks a fan. Justin from Tucson, Arizona, emailed and said, I'm emailing today to express my disappointment and dissatisfaction with the with the franchise and its direction during your tenure as CEO. I believe it's long overdue for you to retire and give control of the organization to someone who is more properly prepared to take the team into the future. Your leadership has been inept. You do not deserve to lead such a storied franchise. Please disappear into retirement ether. Nobody likes you. You have never been a good executive. I wish you the worst in your twilight years. And it'd be real easy just to kind of throw that one to the side, but Mark Murphy responded and said, thanks for sharing your opinion, Justin. I also appreciate the 11 other emails you've recently sent with similar suggestions. I get your point. You'll be pleased to know that I'm required to retire in July 2025 under our bylaws. 
<laughs> Who do you think you are? I am. I'm telling you, man, it feels like Mark Murphy on his way out. It's just like, you, have you ever seen Half Baked, Tim? <laughs> yeah, of course. Remember, it's F you, F you, F you, you're cool. You're cool. F you. <laughs> it's Mark Murphy on his way out. I absolutely. Oh, love man. Oh, you got to love it. Yeah. You got to love it. He's the man, dude. Um, and listen, has he been perfect? Probably not. But when when people say they don't like him, my immediate response is, why don't you like him? Like, what what did he do that hurt the franchise? They can never come up with anything, <laughs> never, because like everything he's touched has kind of turned to gold. You know, I think they got a sour taste in their mouth when he first took over because he he basically had the whole Brett Favre debacle dumped in his lap, right? Mm-hmm. And People pretend like it was just Mark Murphy who made the decision to go down there and offer Brett money to stay retired. But really, we know that was the board. It wasn't just Mark Murphy. Everyone come together and was just like, look, the coaching staff's already moved forward with Aaron. Maybe we should just go down there and let them know how much we appreciate them, right? Does it look good? No. But Mark Murphy took the rap for that. He didn't come up and go, hey, the board said we should do it. He just took it in stride and kept chugging. And, oh, by the way, we just went on to win a Super Bowl, right? So, um, yeah. What do you think about Mark Murphy, though, man? I think he's done an excellent job, dude. I do too, man. I really do. Um, you know, it'll be bittersweet uh, to see him go, but, you know, the rules are the rules. The bylaws are the bylaws. And, uh, you know, I'm sure the board is going to, you know, figure out who the, the next president's going to be. You know, we'll uh, get the votes in, and I'm, I'm sure the franchise will continue to go in the, the proper direction. I really do. you got to think that somebody's probably waiting in the wings here being uh being molded to take over and uh you know if not they may may be looking you know locally here you know at uh some business leaders and you know some movers and shakers that would be uh you know candidates for that position as well because um you know being the president of the green bay packers is you know it's more than just football you know you got to be a football person but uh there's a lot a lot of other things as you know we we've learned from mark murphy's tenure you know when it comes to marketing and development of uh of the franchise and growth you know in other areas that's a big part of uh running this organization so uh you know i'm gonna just enjoy it you know we've got uh got a lot of picks in this year's draft we got the draft coming to town next year um you know yeah. we'll be playing in a super bowl in new orleans in 2024 <laughs> okay. hopefully you know so i was uh, getting ready to say man how cool would it be to send him out with a ring right that would be awesome Absolutely awesome. Get him, get him another championship. Send him off into the sunset. Start the next era. I think yeah. that would be really, really go, cool. Go two and zero in Super Bowls at the Superdome. That would yeah. be nice. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, two zero for this says Mark quote man of the people Murphy. I agree with that. He also said uh, some fans quote fans just don't understand how well they have it. I agree with that completely. Drew D says I really don't think the average person understands how hard it is to find a president that knows football. I mean, this guy actually played in the NFL. I've met him personally many times. Always nice. Um, yeah, people don't know that he was, you know, a safety for you know, at the time they were referred to as the Washington Redskins. Um, and he, if I remember correctly, he led the league in interceptions that year. And I think they won a, I think they won a Super Bowl that year, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong there. I think it was the strike shortened year, but I do know that he led the league in interceptions one year. Um, so he's a former player. Uh, just in the, you know, people look at me. He's a big doofus. He's so stupid. I hear, I hear podcasters say that. I ain't gonna lie, man. Beat reporters talk about that, and I'm like, man, who have who have yeah. spent all of uh, eleven seconds around Mark Murphy, probably. Right, and you know, the other thing too is like you, 
buddy, we can see your house in the background. I'm not trying to be mean, but like you're making fun of a man who has succeeded at every level of life. He made it to pro football, right? He succeeded in pro football. He goes on to be, what was he, the athletic director at Northwestern. I'm pretty sure he's got a law degree, if I remember correctly. Then he goes on to take over as acting CEO for the most storied franchise in the entire National Football League. And you're sitting here on a radio show trying to convince people he's stupid. And I'm like, what? Why? What, what, what do you gain from that? You know, it yeah. just makes no sense. It doesn't. And, you know, they're like, like the old saying, there's no statues built for critics. Right. Um, right. And, you know, it's just, it's just mind boggling that people want to tear him down. Uh, Drew D says, I think we uh, we probably already have the next president trained up. I think so, too. There's been some names thrown around. And, you know, that's something that obviously we'll cover here on the pod, too, when the time comes. We'll kind of line up the candidates just like we are for coaching candidates. Go, OK, if it's not already announced and we don't get surprised with the announcement before he you know, has to step down. But uh, I'm with you, Drew. I think someone's probably already in the building. There's someone I can't remember the name um, that actually headed up the title town district you know, whole project for Mark Murphy. Mark Murphy kind of spearheaded it, but this guy was behind the scenes making things happen, if I remember correctly. There's also a lady, too, um, a woman that's that's working hand-in-hand hand with Mark Murphy, too, that her name's been thrown up. And I think that would be kind of cool, to be honest with you. You know, tear down a little barrier there and say, all right, all right the yep. very first female, um, you know, uh, CEO of the Packers, I think would be cool, too, you know. Just regardless of gender, race, or anything, we want the, we want the best person to take yep. over. Best person. person available, right? Yeah. If that person's a woman, though, how cool would that be, man? That would be absolutely no. awesome. Two zero for this says uh, people complaining about Murphy, but we could get we could be the Jets right now. I don't know if you guys heard Ryan's pod. Uh, I think it was earlier today. Did you listen to it, Tim? No, I didn't get a chance to. I always catch up. I'm late on his all the time. I'm usually like a day behind. But yeah, the offseason. Spoiler alert. Let me know what what did he say. I mean, it, it's just he's basically reading an article that's talking about the debacle with the Jets right now. And, and you know, mm-hmm. it, it's no secret. Me and Ryan differ in our opinion on Aaron Rodgers, and it's totally cool. We laugh about it. We have conversations about it. Um, and, and I completely understand where he's coming from. But he just went through and laid out all of the problems that are in the Jets organization right now. And it's just wild, Tim. Like Robert Sala is over there trying to hold that thing together. I don't think Robert Sala is a good football coach. That's just me personally. Like, I don't I don't see how anyone looks at his record with the Jets and goes, oh, no, it's not Sala's fault. He's a good coach. Like, you, you, could, you could have made two or three different hires this year, but the problem is, and kind of like what Ryan points at, Aaron's pulling the strings over there right now. Yeah. He's got them – you know, Goody gave him input there toward the end, right? And they tried to work it out, and obviously it gets to the point where you can't work it out. Aaron's like, like he said, Aaron is the GM in New York, man. Like it's wild. And uh, what do we always say? We always said, yeah, we always said that, you know, we've talked about that before. I'm all for a, a franchise quarterback having input, but I'm also for reminding that franchise quarterback that, you know, you're not making the decisions, you know, you can have input in the conversation. You right. can tell us who you'd like us to target in the draft or who you want us to, maybe go after in free agency, uh, what type of uh, offense you want to run, you know, have some have some input. But at the end of the day, you know, the brass is the brass. The coaches are the coaches. And, you know, like you always say, Clayton, right, they, you know, they get paid too. Everyone's got a job to do. And, um, you know, yeah, it's a little tricky there. You you can't deny it, though. Aaron Rodgers does have a lot of uh, 
a lot of influence over there. Yeah, he really does, man. This one's for Mark Murphy. 65%. We haven't used that in forever, man. Yeah, I ain't got that kind of pop out of me in forever for that, man. I, I love it. That drop. I'm just telling you. Well, if something happens to me, guys, I need you to get word to my family that at my funeral, I want that playing on loop. Forget the the sappy slideshow of the childhood and you know all these memories. I just want Mark Murphy on loop saying 65% constantly. <laughs> and maybe a little John Deere Green playing in the background. I think mine my pick would be too much. I don't listen too much Taylor Swift. Uh... <laughs> Dude, we what I love about this show, too, we've gotten some good drops this year. And <laughs> There's going to be two or three drops that we add that we haven't even seen yet, and they're coming. And yep. I, I just absolutely love it, man. We got some gems this year, dude. I'm just telling you. Uh, huh? Eric Sutherland said, Clayton talking crap about my single wide home. That hurts. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with a single wide, man. We, uh, Like I told you guys, we moved like four or five times in one year. Um, when I was born, we lived in the house of projects. We moved to a trailer in a little place called Springfield, which is a little community in Cumberland, Kentucky. And I remember sleeping on the mattress in the living room floor with mom and dad. I was about five years old. And uh, I remember the Christmas tree with the Budweiser cans on it for ornaments. That's a true story. I can show you guys that picture sometime. Um, dad watches the oh, I've show. I've seen that. I saw that. You showed me. You did. I, I texted to you, didn't I? Yeah, that was so, great. Yeah. I can still I can still remember the look on mom's face, too, like this man. I can't believe I married this man. What are we doing here? What am I doing? Talk about lack of vision. Anyway, good times, man. I wouldn't trade a, I wouldn't trade a thing. I really wouldn't, man. I wouldn't change a thing, wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, yeah, so. All right, let's do this. I wanted to get into a little bit of snap count here, Tim. Um, obviously, there's a good chance we're going from a 3-4 to a 4-3, right? So when that happens, I think many people are overlooking the fact that the roster, it's not going to be a huge turnover, but you now have these minimum requirements for positions. So, like, the if we, if we don't go away from the 34 jam, which is basically that five-man front, three-down linemen with two edge defenders that are essentially defensive ends, but they're listed as outside linebackers for us. If we switch to 4-3, basically Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith will just be defensive ends now. That's how that's probably going to change. So they're still going to be edge defenders. There's not much that's going to change there in that regard. But think about the linebackers. When you're in a base 4-3, you've got to have three linebackers on the field as we're before we technically have four linebackers, but two of them were those traditional stack backers. What I mean by stack backers, inside linebackers that line up behind the defensive line and they stack behind the defensive line. So you're probably going to need three on the field as opposed to two, which means you'll probably need to add an extra body or two to the inside linebacker room or the linebacker room. And uh, as far as snap count, how is it going to affect the players who are actually going to be on the field? We're still going to be in nickel the majority of the time. We got to everybody's got to keep that in mind. But still, there's going to be situations where you run those four three looks. Now, we're trying to figure out, and everybody's just trying to guess what is Jeff Halfley's defense going to look like? Is it going to look like Boston College's? Is it going to look like the the one year that he was co defensive coordinator at Ohio State? That one I just kind of throw out the window because I'm just like. He's there for one freaking year. He wasn't even the sole defensive yeah. coordinator. There was a lot of collaboration going on. Then he leaves for Boston College. So you look at BC, and then I think, you know, the fact that Jeff Halfley, like we mentioned earlier today, he's always talking about his NFL friends, right? He keeps saying, well, my, when I speak to my NFL friends, I think that's that's probably Robert Sala and some people within his organization. There's others too, no doubt about it. But I think of Robert Sala's defense is probably going to be the – Closest thing we have to trying to guess at what 
Jeff Halfley's defense may look like, right? So when we look at the snap count for uh, the uh, the New York Jets who ran a 4-3, obviously, right? What I want you to key in on is look at these. These are sorted by snap counts, okay? C.J. Mosley, linebacker, 1,127 snaps, right? Quincy Williams, linebacker, 1,092 snaps, okay? Let's forget safety and corner and all that. Let's just hop on down here, right? There's your first defensive lineman, Quentin Williams, 778. Now, understand injuries may have played a role here, okay? But overall, you can kind of see who was on the field the majority of the time. Their nickel was on the field the large majority of the time. I just about guarantee it. Matter of fact, I don't know if I still got that pulled up or not. I had the Jets um, the Jets defensive numbers. I don't have it now, so I may try to pull it while you're talking here in a minute because I'd like to see that too. But when you get down to defensive line, Quentin Williams, 778. Then you've got your first edge defender in Jermaine Johnson at 748, right? Then you go down a couple spots, you've got John Franklin Myers. That's your second edge position at 626. Then you've got your second defensive lineman at Solomon Thomas, 483. Then you've got your next edge defender in Bryce Huff at 481. So they use a heavy rotation like us. Then another defensive lineman in Quentin Jefferson. So when you kind of look at the snap count, you can see they were in nickel the majority of the time. You know, their third corner had more snaps than their second edge. That shows you just how much they were in nickel. Right. And and much so uh, the same with the interior defensive line. So just something to kind of take into consideration. Now, when you look at the Packers snap count, we pop over here. Quay Walker, linebacker, 973. Keyshawn Nixon, 937. That's your nickel back. That shows you how much nickel we ran this year. Right. Uh, Jonathan Owens at safety, 927. Kenny Clark's your first defensive lineman coming in at 913. Then you hop down to number six is Preston Smith at 838 at the edge position. Then you hop down to Devondre Campbell at 690 at linebacker. Notice you got to go all the way down to Isaiah McDuffie before you get to the next backer, right? Yeah. So just something to kind of keep in mind of the snap count and how much of these snap counts is going to get eaten up. Not a whole lot's going to change. You're still going to be in that nickel. The nickel 245 that we showed last year, that's what's going to be on the field the majority of the time. I don't expect LaFleur or Jeff Halfley to come in and go, you know what, now let's take that defensive tackle, put him at defensive end. Let's. Someone suggested let's put Rashawn Gary at linebacker, and I about pulled my hair out. I'm like, what are we talking about? You want Rashawn Gary to play inside linebacker? And i gotta, I got to try to just ignore those comments, you know, and move on. I don't know if they're trying to ruffle my feathers or maybe they don't, they don't watch much, and that's totally cool. If they don't, you can fan at whatever level you want. But Rashawn Gary is not going to be playing inside linebacker, and nor do I think he should in this defense. Okay. So just something to kind of keep in mind there. But when it comes to that, Tim, and you go to building a roster, you know, you got to kind of step back and go, okay, what do we actually need? We mentioned defensive line, but if there's only going to be two defensive line on the field, the majority of the time, because you're going to be a nickel, a large chunk. When you, even when you're in four or three, those big interior defensive linemen are, you're still just going to have two on the field. So the difference is you're going from your 34 base where you had three interior defensive linemen, the 300-pounder pluses, to just two. So you're probably pretty good at the defensive line position. That doesn't mean that you don't grab a stud if if a you know a great three to five tech falls to you, falls right in your lap. It's a it's still a position of tier one importance. Same as edge, same as yep. left tackle, right? But I think what you're going to see is you'll probably see us try to load up on a couple extra backers just because of that 4-3 aspect. That kind of trumps the two-down lineman in that same 4-3 set. Does that make sense, Tim? Absolutely. And I think, you you know, you might see a little bit more rotation now that you have – you've got some personnel freed up. 
and uh you know you might see a dip in some of these snap counts maybe maybe not um and of course we won't know uh, until we until we really see you know the team progressing out of training camp and you know we'll have a good barometer of what's going on out there um and how these rotations look because uh, you know like that's what I love about the preseason so much is, you know, they, when you watch. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You know, if we just take the defensive side of the ball, I mean, they don't really tend to ease much in. They, they're they trying to run everything that they worked on all summer right away and uh, get those reps in. So we'll have a better uh, ability to judge what this defense is going to look like. But I think you're right. I mean, regardless of, um, you know, if we're in a 4-3 or 3-4, or um, you know, we're going to have personnel available on that defensive line. And uh, I'm with you, too. I, I, I think uh, backers probably more of a priority, but I would not be upset at all if we took another dog on that defensive line uh, in the draft. Yeah, especially if the right one falls, right? So That's right. Here's the Jets look, okay? Base 4-3, 15% of the time, that was 25th most in the league. Nickel, they were in 81% of the time. That was second most in the league. So if we come in and attack it the same way, if Jeff Halfley comes in and says, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to just going to kind of take a page out of Robert Sala's book and build this defense kind of around that look, play more man coverage, that type of thing. Now you see the Jets actually played the 11th most man coverage. You guys know we played 23% man last year, right? And one of the things I said is, look, don't, don't kid yourself into thinking that Jeff Halfley's going to come in here and run 50 and 60% man coverage. It just doesn't happen in the NFL. As a matter of fact, the most in the league, is that 40% with the Atlanta Falcons, and then Dallas comes in right under them with the second most. So from the Jets' perspective, 30% man coverage. So they still played zone 52% of the time. 
I said somewhere between 30 and 35% would be my guess as to how much man coverage we play next year. It looks like that's that's going to be that sweet spot there. And, you know, maybe you ease into it, so maybe it's 28% as opposed to 30%, but the Jets definitely ran 30% man coverage. And their EPA across the board pretty darn good. 4-1, 24 it dipped in dime. So when they had to go to dime, they struggled. Why is that? They're built with a 4-3. They probably – a little bit stronger at, at linebacker than they were with uh, cornerback and safety depth, right? You know, I know they have studs on the starting starting lineup, but against gap run, eighth, against zone run, not, against man coverage, not, against zone, third. Um, or I'm sorry, when they were playing zone, third uh, in EPA, these all, all these numbers are. They brung three rushers 5% of the time. That was 13th most in the league. Their EPA was not. They brung four rushers 80% of the time. What did he say in that interview we played of, of Jeff Halfley when he was at Boston College? It's, you know, and the guy asked, what's your scheme? He said, it's mostly middle field closed, mostly yep. middle field closed, four-man rush, that type of thing, right? Four-man rush, the Jets brung more four-man rush than anyone else in the league, and their EPA while doing so was second in the league. So people have this big idea that Jeff Halfley's going to come in and we're going to blitz six, we're going to blitz six, we're going to blitz six. I just don't see it. I don't think it's going to happen. I think you're going to try to get pressure with four, play a little cover one. You're going to get a little bit chaotic at the line of scrimmage, mugging the A and B gaps with linebackers moving around, that type of thing. But at the end of the day, probably just going to bring four rushers the majority of the time. They brought five rushers, they being the Jets, 12% of the time. That's 31st most in the league. Six-plus rushers, 3% of the time. That's 27th most in the league. So you see they really leaned on four-man rush, okay? Yep. Now, middle field close, 20 uh, – 20th in the league at 41%, middle field open 41%. So they were right at 50%. I would expect that number to tilt towards middle field close when Jeff Halfley takes over. Matter of fact, if we go back to last year, let me see if I've still got that for the Packers. I'd like to see um, – here we go, Packers defense. They played middle field uh, middle field close 52, 52% of the time. That was fifth most in the league. Everybody's going, what are you talking about? We play Fangio. We play course. We didn't last year, guys. We showed you on the shelf and rotated to cover one. 52% of the time we ended up in middle field close, which is a cover one or a cover three, one safety deep. So We might not even see that type of rotation, right? You were talking, exactly. you were talking about that where, uh, you know, he kind of plays a little more straight up. Um, you know, we're going to have one safety out there on the shelf. He's He's going to be there. I don't, I don't see late rotation happening. Now that may change though, right? You know, he's coming back to the NFL. You know, we might see him, you know, sprinkle a little more sugar in into that defense than we're we're normally used to looking at, at least what I've seen on film. Yeah, definitely. So uh that's kind of how that lays out there. Um, let me pop that back down. Antonio in here. Uh Antonio says, been watching some BC games. I have too, Antonio. <laughs> you were uh thinking exactly in the same vein there, man. He said they frequently have defensive ends standing up like outside linebackers and have D linemen dropping back in zone coverage like a three-four. Shh. <laughs> the first time we see Preston Smith drop into coverage, those same fans. I'm wondering if they're gonna lose their mind if it, or if it was just Joe Barry hate. But I think it's all it comes down to the current matchup too, Antonio. Like the game I watched that I watched really close was the FSU game. They had Jordan. Jordan Travis, who is a very mobile quarterback, it's obvious what they tried to do was mug the line of scrimmage, and then they would drop a D tackle back to play that mid spy in case he tried to rush in through the, the middle rushing lane. So I think you had a little bit of that effect with the FSU game. 
but also the interview we played with Jeff Halfley, he talked about that. You you play defense in the NFL totally different from how you play at college. That's why I'm saying I imagine it's going to be more along the lines of what Robert Sala done with the Jets as opposed to what he tried to do with BC. That's the other thing, too. BC, you know, lacking talent, you're trying to manufacture uh, manufacture pass rush, too, right? Yeah. As we're with the Packers, he's probably going to come in and go, you know what? Preston Smith and Lucas Van Ness on one side, rotating. Rashawn Gary on the other. Kenny Clark in the middle with Devontae White. I like my chances of getting to the quarterback. And, guys, they, they pass rushed well this year. All those guys did. Decent years, right? Rashawn Gary graded out as the best player on defense. Still mind-boggling. Some people – think he sucks i'm just blown away by that but anyway uh, i do like the uh, the idea of drafting another edge you know as well like we, we kind of talked about offline i mean kingsley and Igbari is probably gonna probably won't play football meaningful football yeah till december maybe if we're lucky you know i don't know i don't want to speculate but you know so maybe having somebody young you know a rookie there to understudy on that side of the ball uh behind rashawn gary i don't know like uh like a darius robinson We'll talk about it. I got him on the list. Somebody um, like that, you never know. When you look at when you look at what Lucas Van Ness did in college, too, part of me is going, Jeff Halfley might look at the tape and go, let's let's put him in a three tech. Let's see what he can do in there in a three to four tech. Let's put him in a four eye and just watch him dog walk that tackle or a guard back, right? Um, that I think that's a possibility. What all this information, guys, as we're talking about it, what it all comes down to, it all e- equates to the same answer, which is probably don't need another interior defensive lineman. So as much as we think we need to improve that position, now you're only going to have two on the field the majority of the time, a large majority. I mean, pretty much – again, I'm I'm trying to explain. I hope hope I'm hitting home here. 34 jam is the only reason you had three defensive linemen on the field like that, right? When I say defensive linemen, the big boys, the 300-pound pluses, you're never going to be in that unless they come out in an extra heavy set and you go to some kind of 5-2 look or something like that, right? That's when you might get a little bit heavier, still put your two edges out there. It'll essentially be a 34 jam if they go to something like a 13 set and you really want to get heavy. But again, if if you're going to steer in the direction of Robert Sala, you're playing nickel 80% of the time. That tells me I would just about guarantee if someone did go to a 13 set, they would just go to a four, three base. They wouldn't worry about putting an extra big body in there in the middle. So um, again, we may be completely off base here. We're all trying to speculate as to what's this defense going to look like. I think it'll be a hybrid between BC's defense this year and Robert Salas. So uh, it's going to be fun to see how it unfolds, but you did, you mentioned a, you mentioned a big boy there, Darius Robinson. And I got a screen grab here. I want to read this off to you guys. This is really cool stuff. Um, this is one of the guys that uh, that Jake Shavink mentioned. I know Jake was in the in the chat here earlier. I seen it uh, roll through, I believe. So, this is one of the guys he talked about. Brett Coleman, okay, tweeted this out. I don't know who Brett is, but I'm sure these numbers are accurate. But he said, for those that are curious, here are Darius Robinson's pass rush win rates from different alignments. Um, out of the three tech and the four I, thirteen percent. Out of the five tech and the six. 18.8%. Wider than that, which is what we would consider a seven or a wide nine, 19.1%. So to me, he's a six foot five, 290 pound five tech that can play edge in nickel, looks just for fun. All right. And then he skipped a couple of lines and said, that's the JJ Watt profile. Jim Nagy, he had quote tweeted Jim Nagy 
um, out of uh, out of the Senior Bowl. And, and Jim Nagy said, buy stock in Missouri's Darius Robinson immediately. If I shared the player comp, one of his American squad coaches gave me last night, it would change a lot of these first-round mocks you're seeing right now. And that's just after practice day one. So everyone's wow. hinting that his comp is J.J. Watt. And, Tim, I can't tell you how happy I am the fact that he's not a white guy. Because anytime it's a white guy that plays defensive line, everybody goes, ah, it's J.J. Watt. <laughs> so this is, uh, you know, like I said, uh, he's not white, Darius Robinson. It's just funny because, like, that's the first time I've seen a J.J. Watt comp where a guy was not a white, <laughs> a white male. <laughs> so, rightfully so. Rightfully so, right? Because it's all about ball. And that's what we – I mean, look at this. Look at this photo of this guy. This guy is a beast among men. Yeah. Look at that. Absolutely I mean, wild, man. Hey, I can't wait to see the uh, RAS score. Yeah. <laughs> um, love our RAS scores. And you know what? Let's take a quick glance here. I've got it pulled up. We're pretty much out of time. Well, now we got 10 minutes. We're doing good tonight, Tim. Look at us, man. We, we don't have Jacob in here and Emilio in here talking about clapping cheeks and getting us off, off topic. We do good. <laughs> here we go. So this is Daniel Jeremiah's top 50, okay? And this was before the senior bowl, if I remember correctly. Let's see if Darius Robinson – pops up on here. Okay. I'm just going to scroll down. Number one, Caleb Williams. Number two, Marvin Harrison Jr. Number three, Roma Dunzi. Number four, Drake May. Number five, Jaden Daniels. Uh, number six, Terry and Arnold. Number seven, Malik Neighbors. Number eight, Brock Bowers. Number nine, Joe Alt. 10, Dallas Turner. 11, Fuaga. 12, Fashanu. Uh, 13, JC Latham. 14, Jared Verse. 15, Brian Thomas Jr., 16, Fontana, uh, 17, Tyler Guyton, 18th, Amarius Mims, 19th, the man of the senior bowl there, uh, Quinion Mitchell, number 20, Edgerin Cooper, number 21, uh, Leatu Latu, I think I'm saying that right, Leatu maybe, 22nd, Byron Murphy II, 23rd, Bo Nix, 24th, Enos Rakestraw Jr., 25th, uh, Chop Robinson, 26th, Devontez Walker, 27th, J.J. McCarthy, 28th, Jerzan Newton, 29th, everybody's favorite, Cooper DeGene. Um, number 30, Nate Wiggins, 31st, Jordan Morgan. I ain't seeing him here, are you? Oh, looky there, number 32, right? That's him, right, Tim? Darius Yeah, Robinson. that's right. Let's not. We don't want to tell anyone else, though. Let's right. Keep, so let's keep scrolling. There he is. He's there. He's there at thirty-two. All right. Let's read. Let's read what Daniel Jeremiah had to say about him before the Senior Bowl. Okay. And this is before Jim Nagy actually came out and said, "Hey, look, you know this dude's a stud. He's about to climb up the draft boards." Robinson is a big, long, and versatile defensive lineman. He lined up all over the Tigers' defensive front. As a pass rusher, he wins on the edge primarily with a violent push-pull move. He will flash some other means to get home, including a club rip, which you guys hear me call it as a, uh, you know, I got a swat and swim and a swat and rip. That's called a club rip is what they're referring to as the swat and rip. Um, swat dip and rip is what I refer to it as. Maneuver or a pop separate close move. He doesn't have a dynamic first step, but his raw power showed up in every game I studied. As an inside rusher, he loves to use a swooping arm over move, just kind of like a swim move but he needs to improve his pad level. He plays too high at times and gets stuck against a run he dominates. 
Um, he sets a physical edge and can shed blockers to get in on tackles. His evaluation is similar to Eric Armstead's. I think he plays for the Niners, if I remember correctly, coming out of college. He can do a lot of things well, and teams will have different Ooh. visions for how to best use his ability. So hey, I like that. What as a pass rusher, he wins on the edge primarily with violent push-pull move. He will flash some other means to get home, including a club rip maneuver or a pop separate close move. Does that sound like anyone else we know in Green Bay? I'm telling you, dude. <laughs> it, dude, kinda, it kinda reminds me of somebody. Yeah. The, he's one of those players that he's climbing up. If this was combine, I would not adjust him at all on my board. But we're talking right. senior ball. This is him working out in front of pro scouts. This right. stuff matters. This yep. stuff really. This and when I say that, he's working out against the best of the best in college football. It's an all-star game for a reason, right? So yep. you're seeing competition as opposed to all right, strip down to your underwear and see how fast you can run. Like it's right. totally different ball game here. So the fact that he's got him at 32, I just want to do a quick cross reference and then we'll get out of here. And, and some people, I don't know, maybe you guys like the draft talk. I don't know if you do or not. I apologize if you don't. But just want to glance at it real quick here. Let's see where Robinson comes in on the consensus big board. Okay. I had a mock draft set up. We're going to back out of that, actually. Let's hop back and we'll just go to the big board. We were going to do a mock draft. Some people got mad, like, well, why are we doing it? We're out of time. Okay. I apologize. It is what it is. Um, let's go down here on the big board and see if we can find him real quick. We're looking for Robinson as we fight the ads here. Robinson, 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 Robinson. There he is. Boom. So he's sitting at 24. Where Daniel Jeremiah have him? 32, right? So they have him at – Wait, hold on. That's different. Is that the same? I thought well, we're that's a different one. You're right. Yeah, that's, that's different. We need to find Ooh, People going to get mixed dirt. up with this right here. Let's go on yeah. down. So he's lower. Look at this. So on the consensus big board, where's he at? Maybe they – no, they couldn't have screwed his name up because that, was, that wasn't his school either. Yeah. Where is this cat? There he is, 60th. There he is, 60th. Wow. Bro. And they got him – they got him projected going 43 to the Falcons. So he gonna be there. <laughs> he probably Man. gonna be there as it sits right now. Man. And again, Jim Nagy, he's pl as plugged in as anyone, though. The fact that he come out and said it's gonna screw up a lot of people's mock drafts. I think he's hinting that now, guys, he ain't gonna last that long. And this right here is mock mock draft central. This is what he's talking about, or sites like this. So Probably going to go significantly higher. So the fact that DJ has him at 32, that makes a lot of sense, right? He's got a value much higher than the consensus big board does. So um, let's do this real quick. One quick – we ain't going to go through the whole thing. Let's just do a three-round, all right? Real <laughs> quick. I just told you I wasn't going to do it. That's how we roll here. We're never yeah. we're never prepared. Got the Outback commercial getting me hungry over here, man. <laughs> all right, let's do it. Let's just hit it and see where he goes here, okay? We'll go to our first pick. We'll just see him ahead. Let's scroll down here. Look for Robinson. There was a Robinson that just went. No, we don't want to trade you goofies. Let's see here. They won't let me go up any higher. Let's see if he's there. I'm assuming. Yeah, there he is. So there he's, he is. He's sitting there, right, when we pick at 25. Okay. So, obviously, we wouldn't take him here. We've also got pick 41. He was projected to go pick 43, wasn't he, if I remember correctly. So let's back up and let's make a pick here, Tim. Best on the board, wide receiver, edge, quarterback, interior offensive lineman. If this is me here, I'm probably going to go Graham Barton. That's just yep. me personally. You agree with that? Yep, absolutely. All right, let's go Graham Barton there. Bang, we get our interior offensive line. He'll plug into right guard, possibly win the center spot. All right, let's see if our boy's still there. 
There he is, Darius Robinson, still there, okay, at 41. Now, we're not going to take him because we want to see where he ends up going, okay? So let's go back to the original big board here. Kenshin's. Quarterback, 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 quarterback. Oh, we're going to argue over Kenshin's and Newbin right now, aren't yeah. we? Let's go. <laughs> Here's the thing. You guys know I like Newbin better than Kenshin's, but Jake likes Kenshin's over Newbin. Everyone else who's got two brain cells to rub together like Kenshin's over Newbin. I've only got one and a half brain cells here, okay? So um, I would take Newbin, but we're going to go Kenshin's because I'm telling you, Tim, I don't want that kind of pressure on me to say <laughs> everybody told you. So we're going to go Kenshin's. You good with that? Yes, sir. All right, we go Kenshin's now. Let's see if Robinson makes it to 58. I don't think he will. He was projected at 43. Let's see. There he is. is. Take him. He's on the board. Yeah, look at that, man. Look at that. Now, Chris Jenkins significantly better here, Tim. Yeah, let's, but we, let's see where he goes. Let's see. Let's, let's see if he makes it. To, there's no way he's making it to 88, right? Probably not. No. Again, we would probably take Darius here just for this exercise, but I just want to see if he somehow makes it to 88. And this gives you a good idea of okay, who can you actually take here? Um, Newbin, you guys know we did this the other night. Jake Shavink was all over it too. It's probably either Newbin, Newbin or Chris Jenkins here for me. Um, which one do you want, Tim? You make this pick. Oh, I'm going to go Newbin again. Take go both Newbin. safeties. Right. Double dip on the safety. I like yeah. it. All right. Now let's see if Robinson somehow makes it. I think he's already that gone. Would be a surprise. Yeah, it would be a huge surprise. Yeah, he is gone. Okay, so if you wanted to take a swing at Robinson, you're going to have to do it within those first three picks, 25, 41, 58. As he continues to climb up the board, Tim, I think it's going to get to the point where if we don't take him at 25, he's probably not going to be there at 41 with the way he's climbing on the boards, right? At least that's right. according to Daniel Jeremiah and according to other people at the senior bowl, including Jake. Jake mentioned him. he's on the short list of guys we hit here. So if we go with the 88th pick here, let's go ahead and, and make these uh, these final two picks here in the top 100. Um, we already got two safeties. We got our interior offensive lineman, best available is running back, safety, safety, running back, cornerback, cornerback, defensive line, Mason Smith. Uh, another cornerback there. Um, for me, man, I kind of like Blake Corum here, dude. What yeah, I was going to say, let's go running back. All right, let's do it. Let's go Blake Corum. It's arguably the best back in the draft. They loved it, A-plus grade there. Doesn't really mean anything, but, hey, we did it anyway. <laughs> now we got safety, safety, running back, cornerback, cornerback. This kind of feels like a corner spot, don't it, man? Yeah. Either uh, corner or defensive line there with Mason, which we've already – no, we haven't taken a defensive lineman yet, which we just talked about. We really don't need one, right? Right. So, corner going to be playing a lot of nickel. I don't know. What are you? What are you I thinking? Think, I think I would go corner here personally, and yeah. you know I don't have my board pulled up, or else I would say I would take this corner over that corner. So let's just go with the consensus big board. You good with that? Yeah. All right. Let's go, Josh Newton here. So there's how our draft ended up. Um, let me get Sweet. a Yeah, just a little three run, three round mini mock there, just to play around a little bit, screenshot mm -hmm. it so we got it. So we went interior offensive line, Graham Barton, Cameron Kinchins at safety, Tyler Newbin at safety, Blake Corum at running back. That kind of gives you the running back of the future there. Um, if you don't sign A.J. Dillon back, then he's going to plug in as the number two back there along with Emmanuel Wilson behind uh, uh, Aaron Jones. And then you got cornerback out of TCU, Josh Newton. He, I don't know if he can play nickel or not. Regardless, I think it would be an upgrade over Val or Bow. I know a lot of people are big on Val. Listen, I'm a Kentucky fan. I want the dude to pan out. This whole idea that he had a good year is uh, – I don't know where we're getting it from. I mean, we can show highlights and, and gawk over the plays he made, but 
the fact of the matter is he graded out really, really bad on PFF. Um, I want to say in the 50s, if I remember correctly. And then if you go cross-reference to SIS and go passer rating when targeted, which I think is probably the most important statistic when it comes to a cornerback in coverage, he graded out somewhere in the 90s rank. Okay, so he's grading out like a third corner. If you can go grab a young corner and plug them in as your number two or luck up and get a slot and you keep Val out there, but you put him in the slot and free up Keyshawn Nixon to focus on just kick return, I think that could be a good move too. But I'm really looking boundary corner top top player there opposite Jair. So I kind of like that. I'd be okay with that. But Anything you need to add to that, Tim? No, I'm with you on that for sure. Cool. Good deal, man. That's a fun little uh, little mini mock there, right? I'm sure everybody in the chat disagreed with it, but <laughs> it's usually how it goes. Like Jake, Junior Colson, I emoji. <laughs> Jake, we have, uh... this is what I'm talking about, Jake. You've got the link always. When we're doing stuff like this, you should just have hopped in here, dude, and said, hey, wait, 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 guys, I'm in here. Let's do this. Let's think about this. So We had um, one from Drew D in there, too. Uh, what did he say? Just just clearing up that Jim Jim Nagy we're referring to as the director of the Senior Bowl, not <laughs> correct, not the former Bear. <laughs> I thought that for the longest time. I'm like, dang man, they put him in a prominent row. No, it's somebody totally different. Totally different. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong. I don't know if it's Nagy or Nagy, um, but yeah, it's uh, that's the director of the I Senior mean, Bowl. Yeah, I mean either way, the Bears still suck. <laughs> exactly. Chewy in the chat said, I just really hope we get Newbin. He's my draft crush. He's my draft crush too, Chewy. But after talking to Jake, I'm kind of like, all right, man, Kenshin sounds like the guy, right? Um, if Kenshin's is somehow gone and Newbin's there, I'm totally cool with him taking him. But uh, got a long way to go to. These boards are going to shuffle around a bit. Um, but sounds like I'm definitely – you and I are in the minority there when it comes to uh, Newbin over Kenshin. So, all right, Tim, you got anything else you want to hit on, buddy? We're at the hour three-minute mark. We're ready to roll. Oh, no, I'm good to go. Um, just uh, make sure you click that like button, you know, uh, if you're enjoying the content. And uh, let's uh, go ahead and put that QR code. Let me see if I can scroll here so you guys can click up here, scan that with your, your smart device, take you right to the to the flagship Packernet podcast. You can get all the content over there. Um, I'm excited about tomorrow. Good morning, Lambo. Uh, more talk. Uh, you know, we're yeah. in the off season. But uh, there's a lot to talk about and a lot of changes happening. And uh, it's an exciting time to be a fan right now. I mean, this is kind of the lull, you know, going into off-season mode. But before you know it, we're going to be playing ball again. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think we've had some good conversations too, man. I think uh, oh. you're going to get a few more coaching hires take place. Some positions get filled here, right? We're going to get a defensive line coach. Who knows? We may let a few more go and free yeah. up some spots and, and bring in some fresh faces there. Um, as soon as we get kind of word on, okay, what, what kind of, if the linebacker coach stays put, right. If he stays put and we hire a defensive line coach from a 34 top front, I'm really going to kind of step back and go, okay, maybe we're not just going to dive right into the four, three, but if they bring in a four, three specialist for defensive line coach, I think it's time to start diving into some of what the Jets did last year and go, hey, this might be what we look like as far as chalk talk goes, okay? Um, that's the other thing, too. Like, there's going to be plenty of stuff to uh, to talk about moving forward, too, as we redo contracts, obviously. That's going to be coming right around the bend. we got to get the coaching staff filled out. Then it's going to be contract restructures probably around February 17th-ish, something like that. 
and then it's going to be stepping right into the combine, and then it'll be free agency, and then we'll have the draft. And then once the draft happens, Tim, we're going to be chalk-talking it up with these rookies. We're going to pull a college state. Here's their top plays. We did it with Luke Musgrave last year. You guys remember that? That was a lot yep. of fun. So it's going to be great. Jake Shavink in the chat said, I would like to clarify, give him the floor here. Kenshin's over Newman is a fit thing for what we project Halfley's defense to look like. So it's not – he's if I'm understanding correctly what Jake is saying here, and I, I remember him saying it last night, it's not that Kenshin's is just crazy way better than Newman. It's more of a scheme fit thing. So right. good stuff there. Appreciate you, Jake. You're the man, buddy. Um, AFAM in the chat says, uh, Paul, Paul going to scan that on his burner boost mobile phone. <laughs> Straight thugging um, over there. Yeah. All right, Chewy. Calm down in here, Chewy. Don't you do this to me. Immediately, everybody goes and looks at Chewy's comment. All right, we're out of here, guys. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us. This was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow morning. We'll make sure we didn't miss any special shout-outs. Now we're good there. Um, if you guys would, uh, like I say, click that like button. we got a herd of people in here, 111 right now. If you guys would uh, hit the like button for us, we would greatly appreciate it. It only takes a second. It helps boost the algorithm so other Packer fans can find this channel, find this content. We would greatly, greatly appreciate that. You guys have been phenomenal. The support is just unbelievable. The channel's growing like crazy, and we're doing it in the slow time of the year, which is really exciting. I think we got the next 12 months is just going to be an absolute blast for sure. So, uh, Tim, appreciate your time, buddy. It's good to have you back in here for sure as well. And um, for those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go. It's a power sweep. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Yes, a YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. Get an isolation with the with the linebacker. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker here, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here, and a seal here, and try to run this play in the alley.